What's up, podcast listeners? Welcome to the next episode of the Racial Diversity Gaming Hour. Guess what? We have reached the halfway mark to episode 50. That's right. We've finally reached episode 25 of the Racial Diversity Gaming Hour. Unbelievable that we have been doing this for 25 weeks straight. Like, we haven't missed a single week we've been doing this. Um, So episode 25, it's great. And, you know... I just realized this, actually. They're going to probably laugh at me because I'm, it's just clicking. Um, this is actually the group that started the whole thing um, 25 weeks ago. With me, of course, is the most racially diverse gaming cast on the internet today. Let's start with Ernest, our favorite prodigal son. How are you, Ernest? Good, good. Yeah, it's good to have the, uh, the OG crew back together. <laughs> Dude. How long do you think this is going to go? I don't know. It's a crazy that it's been 25 weeks already. It doesn't feel like it. It just kind of feels like no. something normal that I do every week, like brushing my teeth. Yep. Well, I do that every day, twice a day, multiple times a day. But it, like, you know what I mean? It, it feels kind of routine now. It's, yeah, it just feels it's that way. Definitely. Yeah, it's unreal. that <laughs> That much time has passed already. I know. Um... That that's like six months worth of, of stuff, by the way. Uh, also with us, we have KGB Gary. How are you, Gary? Okay, sounds like Gary's doing great. Um, <laughs> let's move. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, there oh, he is. Okay. On mute. <laughs> oh yeah, your microphone's on. I'm sitting here talking. Nobody's listening. I've done that before. Sorry. What's going on, man? Oh, not much. I just finished eating this delicious dinner, and now I'm just. With you guys on the cast, well, I feel com- I feel compelled to ask what was so delicious about your dinner. Um, turkey, uh, potatoes with uh, mushrooms, huh. and this Russian salad that my mom made. It's delicious. What makes it Russian? Uh because I have no idea. <laughs> you, you guys can make it, but I don't know what you would call it here. I don't even know what it's called in Isn't English. Is the salad like a salad, or is it just the dressing, or, or what? No, just the way she made it. It's like very purple. Oh, okay. Yeah. Russian salad. Um, also joining us all the way from Korea. We haven't heard from this guy in a while, actually, since episode 18, I think. Long uh, time ago. Long time ago. He's kind of quiet, but he's here. Dane Smith, our favorite host with the most, is back. How are you, Dane? I'm good, but when am I ever quiet? No, I mean, your, your volume's a little quiet, but that's okay. Oh, my volume's a little quiet. Yeah. I'll just have to pump up the just volume have to then. pump up the volume. How's Korea been? Yeah, yeah. What, uh, what Korea's you, been hot. You, it's been hot? Super hot, because I have no AC. Oh, okay. So you enjoy those 30-degree temperatures. Everyone likes to say, let's go to Florida for the summer. But that's only because you got AC. Even yeah. without it, you're just going to melt. You're going to melt. But I have a more important question, and this goes to Ernest. Ernest, which do you prefer, the prodigal son or don't call me a girl? Um, That's a more important question. Man, I, I mean, probably prodigal son, but I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have strong feelings on this issue. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't I asked you like if you could choose your nickname, what would it be? And and you didn't really say anything. <laughs> I think so. I'm just like, yeah. It's like uh, I don't care. Don't really care. <laughs> it's just like when people are like, oh, can I call you Ernie? And I'm like, I I don't care. 
There are people that call me Ernie. And people that call me Ernest. Where's and, Bert? Where's Bert? Uh, shut oh, my God, Dave. You, th- you think I haven't heard that one. Yeah. You know what? A cruel joke would have been is if they named my brother Bert. <laughs> or, like, Albert, so his nickname could be Bert. Yeah. That, that would have been interesting. Yeah. Um. <laughs> he would have hated that. <laughs> I feel like. Bert and Ernie. Bert and Ernie. <laughs> you should have heard. Um, we actually recorded PlayStation Unchained earlier. And directly after we finished recording, I don't know what got us onto this, but we just hit the internet and started looking for, like, the weirdest last names we could possibly find. Okay. There, there are some pretty freaking funny ones. <laughs> like, okay, there's this guy called, his name is Dick Champion. And he was in a newspaper. He's a carpenter. So the newspaper begins, Dick Champion rises every day at five in the morning. To uh, and to go to his workshop, which smells like sawdust or something, and like whoever found it circled the part in, in like bright red. Dick Champion rises every morning at five a.m. Just wow. because there there are some amusing names out there. But if if you're listening, Dick Champion, thumbs up. We love your name. Um, <laughs> so uh, let's get going here. Uh, we actually have a couple tweets this week. I'm I'm liking it after a few weeks of having some trouble uh, finding people to tweet us. Now we have some tweets. So of course we wouldn't be the same without this guy, our our, our good friend the Fonz at Snova34z. Um, it could be Snova, could be Snova. I don't know. He actually gave us like a bunch of tweets like i could write like a page of a book with these tweets um so i'm going to summarize some of them um we he called us he said we were funny at one point and last week i was like what really are we funny and um i think it was ernest and fraser who were there for that and he replied yes we're funny because uh ben at chili uk will say something silly and the others will join in the joke to make it sillier uh, ben is not here, but I did tell him that you tweeted that you tweeted that, and he appreciates it. So thank you. Um, he is uh, Snova is planning to get a blue DualShock Four when it does launch in the United States later this year. Um, so do I. Uh, what do you guys think? Are you going to get the the blue controller? I don't even have a PlayStation Four. Oh uh, well. Well, you do you have a PlayStation Three? I do have a PlayStation 3. Are you going to get a blue controller for it? I no. If I'm not going to buy the waifu's controller of the Lightning Returns one, I'm not going to get a blue DualShock. Okay, no, no blue DualShock for for Dane. No. Um, <laughs> this um, actually kind of crosses over from Unchained. He says that uh, Paul Kelly mentioned that he hates multiplayer trophies, and he agrees. Um, it was a, he used actually used twit longer so he can make a tweet longer than 140 characters. Oh my goodness! Uh, you, you do know we only have like a one hour long podcast or one and a half hours. <laughs> but yes, he's talking about the multiplayer trophies. I'm just kidding. Tweet all you want. Um, he's talking about the multiplayer trophies. I was saying last week that I don't like um, trophies that are uh, really specific, like you know drive the blue Ford Mustang in Northern California at night while it's raining to get this trophy. And um, Paul was saying that, yeah, a lot of trophies are kind of like that. Um, a lot of multiplayer trophies. W- what do you guys think about trophies like that? 
I hate them. Me, I hate them yeah. with a the passion. <laughs> I hate them too. To me, to me, they're not even that creative. It's like, oh well, we want more trophies, but we don't really have any natural way to give them to to our our players. So let's just make something needlessly complicated to waste their time. I hate them for a logistical reason is the fact that a lot of these games have servers and if you kill the server then you can't get the trophy which means no platinum. So it's like well, why bother? Yeah. Um, and then or they have it in such a stupidly ridiculous way that it just kills you. Like I got the platinum for Front Mission Evolved which is hella hard. It is ridiculously mind-numbingly hard to get that platinum now. Uh, and it was the most boring 30 hours of my life. I don't know why I spent 30 hours on it. I have no clue why I did, but I did spend 30 hours on multiplayer doing the exact same thing over and over and over and over and over and over again to get the trophy. And then even then when that was done, I still had to do something else. And I'm like, yay, it's done, but I hate it. Yeah. So was there some kind of feeling of vindication once you got it? Like, was there anything at all to make you feel okay? It was kind of worth it a little bit. Um, that I am now part of the two percent. So um, <laughs> we are the two percent. It it was just it wasn't so much the fact that it was on. Well, it was online, but it's so much the fact for this one, this particular one. You need at least four people to even start multiplayer. Yeah. And so you can't make your own private match. So how it worked was we had to do you needed you needed four people. You had to have even numbers. You couldn't have five, you couldn't have seven. It had to be four, six, or eight to make it work. And then if someone who's not in your group, because you gotta coordinate everything together, uh pops up in the lobby while well, you're screwed you have everyone has to leave the lobby and go back in um, and because there's hardly anyone playing the game it's like you have to find some other masochist who wants to put up with it because once someone's done once someone's got it they're not going to go through it anymore they're done i put in my 30 hours i'm not going to spend any more time on this multiplayer because i don't need to um, and it's not like you were actually playing the game. It's just this, like, run up to someone, kill them in this intricate way every time, and then switch. So it's not like we're even having fun. Yeah. So, and yeah, 1.49%. That is the percentage of people with the platinum for that game. 1.49%. I suppose I can, after hearing what you have to do, I suppose I can understand why. Uh, well, only 36 people got the platinum after me since June 4th of 2012. Yeah. So let's put it that way, it's perspective. <laughs> In two years, only 36 more people have decided to platinum this game. And I mean, there's no server to come down, right? Like, it's, it's however they do it, you don't, there's no online server that Square can just cut off. So it's person to person. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think Star Ocean, The Last Hope, has the worst trophies ever. Oh? Yeah, they're pretty much all luck-based. Like, there are trophies in that game where you have to kill a certain boss with a certain move doing a certain amount of damage. Like, you have to kill him with that move with, like, 
7,777 points of damage. It has to be that number for that trophy to pop. No seven 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 eight. <laughs> like there's a whole bunch of them. Like it's one of the hardest trophy games. Like it's rated a nine point five out of ten on the difficulty scale to get the platinum trophy for it. But that, that who, who has who has rated this? I uh, just people online. A lot of like trophy sites rate these things too. Mm-hmm. That that doesn't really feel like it's a challenge. It just feels like something that you have to get dumb luck to do. Yeah. Which is a, which is a stupid way to make a trophy, if you if you ask me. Well, it's at zero point nine seven percent of the people who've done it. Um, so yeah, I'm looking over. I own the game actually. I had the game. I've just not played it yet. Um, no, I'm not stupid. Like if people can remember like my trophy marathon competitions, I'm just a trophy hunter. I don't do platinums anymore. Front Mission Evolve killed me for platinums. That destroyed me for platinums. I do not do platinums anymore because of that game. Unless it's something easy, fun, and it's a game that I love. So otherwise, it's like, nope, I'll get as many trophies as I can in one playthrough and then fuck all the rest. Oh, you know, actually, I finally got my very first platinum trophy ever with Infamous Second Son just the other day. Mm-hmm. I am finally the proud owner of a platinum trophy. Ooh, Yay. Shine it up good. That's right. It doesn't actually exist, but I don't care. I'm waiting for my Hannah Montana trophy. Wait, what? That's what, I, that's what I'm waiting for. <laughs> nah, I had when I before I came to PSU and I was on a trophy site doing trophy competitions. I I told people I like I if someone sends me Hannah Montana on the PS3, I will actually videotape myself platinuming that game. <laughs> Why though? Like, was there a specific reason? Or? It was hilarious as hell at the time. There's a joke <laughs> about it, and it's like a four-hour platinum. Oh wow! So it's it's like the definition. Well, that's that's the that's the that's the talk. That's the platinum speak. It's like oh, it's a Hannah Montana trophy. Oh, it's a Hannah Montana game, right? It's just super easy, and like uh, no skill involved to get the the platinum. It's a Hannah Montana. So it still goes to all the listeners. If you want to send me Hannah Montana, I will record myself platinuming that game, and I'll put it on YouTube for you. That's the best. Where else can you get that? Um, all right. There is another interesting tweet here from our friend the Fonz. He asks us, why do you feel gamers stick exclusively to AAA games and don't want to try smaller games for a chance? Um, I'm assuming that he's referring to the way a lot of people have been slamming indie games lately. Um, to tell the truth, I think that... Those people, I, I don't think that you're looking at the right sample of people because, to tell the truth, I don't think anyone really has a problem with indie games. For one, uh, Steam is chock full of indie games and no one complains about Steam. Uh, no one complains that there's not more AAA games on Steam. No one complains that there are indie games all over Steam. In fact, people buy, like, they're, they're some of the be- biggest games people buy are indie games on Steam. Um, it's just that when you infuse indie games with this ridiculous console war, now the console that doesn't have such a strong indie games following is going to go ahead and insult the other console that does. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that if Xbox had 
a huge indie game thing now. Um, Xbox fans would love it, and PlayStation fans would be just as mad and, and start talking about how indie games suck. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that anyone really has a big problem with smaller games. Uh, although there are a lot of people who do wish to see more AAA games and fewer uh, indie titles, but I, um, there is a little more I can say on that. But first, what, what do you guys think? Do you do you think that uh, a lot of people have been um, st- sticking more to AAA games and, and not wanting at all to try indie games? I think it has to do more with price than anything because the the, the problem with your your Steam analogy is. Um, yes, there's a lot of indie games, but you can just get them dirt cheap on a Steam sale for like a dollar or two dollars or four dollars. A lot of indie games on consoles are still like twenty bucks or more, depending on on what company it comes from. So there's more risk spending like twenty or thirty dollars on an indie game, which could be super short uh, and could just be super horrible compared to the 40 to $60 from a proving company that you, you know you're going to get a lengthy experience. Even if it's crap like Syndicate by EA, you still know what to expect. It's an EA game. You know there's going to be a certain length. You know there's going to be a certain standard for the price you're paying overall. Of course, there's going to be exceptions, but overall compared to indie games where people might not want to take the $20 risk. Uh, compared to $3 for the same game on Steam. Mm-hmm. Well, I find that interesting because Sony hasn't been setting these prices. The publishers themselves have. So what do you think? why do you think that they're uh, pricing higher on the, the consoles than they are on Steam? Probably the offset having to pay Sony to put it up on PSN compared to Steam. I thought they didn't have to pay Sony to do that anymore. Uh, I don't know. I guess someone can uh, inform us, yes or no, about that. But I assume they had to. Or <laughs> why is there gunshots coming from Gary's? Because I'm pretty sure with all these new policies, like Sony was all about, yeah, we'll help you get on our console. You know, no big fees or anything. Because I, I, in fact, I'm pretty sure because. Um, I remember there was a lot of drama on the Microsoft and that Microsoft required all these fees and Sony suddenly didn't. Uh, Well, I do remember, um, now love them or hate them, uh, Phil Fish was saying that for a while people were complaining about Fez not being patched. And he said it's because it's too expensive because you got to pay to patch the game, do an update. Right. On the system now, if that's the case, if that's still the case, well, then that's why the companies still have higher prices because you got to pay to put in the patch or to do something because it's never going to be a, a perfect product, and so they have to offset that cost somehow. Whereas Steam, I'm pretty sure, is either free or cheaper. I think he said it costs like twenty thousand dollars to patch a game. Yeah, yeah. but that that's was just, that was before that was a while ago though. Mm. I, I, I am I am absolutely certain that I mean. I'm sure that Xbox is doing the same too, that they've gotten rid of the patch fees, that they've gotten rid of of all these fees associated with self-publication. Well, if that's the case, then, then my entire point is moot, and then I don't know why they're more expensive. Yeah, I think I think they have. They have. Yeah. I I think it's the the cost of developing for a console mm-hmm. is obviously going to be a lot higher than developing on the PC. Mm-hmm. Uh, that could be it. I, I remember seeing like Angry Birds is like free 
on the mobile market and it's like 15 to 20 dollars on psn i'm like what the crap is that yeah some what of it, is that some of it could have to do with valve and with steam because um i mean a lot of these games are cheaper because they go on sale um, yep. Not all of them are just flat $3. Some of them are actually higher, but then they go on sale. And I think that Steam, Valve actually has a hand in that. Like, they go out and uh, they either compensate or they ask or they ask for volunteers to put games on sale or something. I don't know exactly how they do it. But um, whereas Sony, I don't, know how, I don't know how Sony does it, but I, I guess they obviously do it quite differently. I mean, I'm sure they still have to pay to get Sony to put it on their store. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm sure Sony is still taking something out of them, and it just might be more than what Steam is taking. It's possible. I mean, I Steam know. puts AAA titles on fifty percent off, like two weeks after they come out, and you're just like, "Wow!" Yeah. So instead of like a big fee, Sony's just taking like a, a little percentage out of the um, earnings. Yeah, that's possible. I don't and know. It could also be microtransactions. Now, a lot of games have microtransactions on PC, but. It's not as easier to do on the console, so they jack up the price for it. Now, now, all of that said, there are a lot of indie games on the consoles that are reasonably priced. Some of them are like $10 or something. I I think one of the ones that was announced at E3 was only $10. Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, uh, what was it called? Ah. Entwined, wasn't it? Entwined, Entwined, right. right. Yeah, Tim reviewed that, yep. Yeah. That that one that one's only ten bucks, but then there are some more that are higher. Uh, Resogun was I think fifteen, but Resogun I think is worth every penny because um, Resogun's just Resogun good. Was free on PSN when it came out. It was free on PlayStation Plus. Yeah, yep, but not anymore. It, it and Contrast have since left PlayStation Plus. If you're if you're hearing what sounds like gunfire, it's actually the Fourth of July, and there are people lighting fireworks outside my window. Um. No, 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 it's a gang war. It's, it's, it's a gang war. Yeah, because we live... put our lives on the line to bring you this podcast. Yes, I'm... people are pissed and for it. LeBron James is leaving Miami. <laughs> oh, is he leaving Miami? Are you serious? Maybe he might. Well, Most likely. I suppose he figured that he's carried that team far enough. Um, I want to see him on the Bulls, man. I want to see him on the Bulls. <laughs> he was on the Lakers before that, yes? No, he was with Cal- the Cavaliers. Really? Yeah. I could have sworn he had been on the Lakers. Who am I thinking of? Kobe Bryant. That's who I'm thinking of. See, I don't watch basketball, um, but I-, I do know a little bit about it, but just not as much as I thought. Um, <laughs> so to answer your question... Uh, what, what do you guys think, uh, Fraser and Garrett? Fraser, not Fraser. I like um, Fraser. Ernest. <laughs> Ernest and Gary. Uh, what do you? <laughs> sorry, Fraser. Sorry, Ernest. What do you think? What do you think? Do you think that there's a big reason that uh, gamers stick more to AAA games and don't want to give smaller games a chance? Um, I think it's the same reason that Transformers is such a big film franchise is that it's just the spectacle of these triple a games it's you know and it's also the instant payoff you know there's no build-up there's no thinking that you have to do with some of these triple a games it's just boom in your face these spectacular graphics these set pieces these moments you know and it's just i think more instant gratification Hmm. because some of these indie games you know they're very 
methodological, and they just like they just go through, and um, it, there's kind of a build up. Like when I was first playing Journey, Journey, granted it's a shorter game. At first, I was just like, you know, uh, during the beginning game, like what's you know what's really the big deal about this game? You know, it's really it's cool. Um, you know, uh, and the you know the art style is cool, but what what is everyone hyping about? And then once you get in and complete the game, then it's like yes. This is awesome. I couldn't stand Journey. I cannot stand that game. Really? A lot of people have been saying such good things about it. I love, I love, love that game. Not, I got it for free and I can't even play it. Wow. Can't even play it. Right? I'm like, this game is so boring. I Even for a trophy competition, I'm like, I just got to do X, Y, and Z for gold. And I'm like, nope, I can't even do this. Can't play this game. It's just mind-numbingly boring. Hmm. But did you finish the whole thing? No, because it was so boring I couldn't. That's, ah, come on. You know what, Dane? That's how I felt when I reviewed Drakengard 3. That was a terrible game. I that hated sh- it. That game, okay, the Drakengard games, for some reason, have this really cult following. I'm not sure, because I've, I've looked at, like, 3 and just thought, you know, this, this doesn't seem that, seem that good. It's not that the premise, it's not that the idea behind it was bad. It's just that the execution was really terrible. Mm. You, you shouldn't have put your hand up because it was funny because I was going to review it, but then you put your hand up. And I'm like, okay, I'll give, <laughs> no, I'll like Glenn get it. You asked me to, you asked me to review it. Like you specifically asked, hey, I have this game. Do you want to review it? And I remember saying before that, you know, if you ever have a game for me to review, just tell me and I'll review it. And I and did. I did. <laughs> I did. I did it. I'm like, here you go. Here's what you want to do. And then if you weren't going to do it, I was going to do it. So no, I'm like, I got to spread the love. I'm glad I did I, it, but it, it was a terrible game. I couldn't. It was not a very good game. Um, <laughs> and I know all the, the, the cult followers, as Ernest called them, of Drakengard are raging at me right now. But I'm sorry. I, I actually was enjoying it. I so. was not. I enjoyed the first game. I never got to play the second one. I did not like that game. Um, <laughs> there's one more thing from um, the Fonz, and it actually ties in with a couple tweets that we have from Shifty, who tweeted us last time. Welcome back, Shifty. He said, um, wait, where is it? I lost it. Oh, he says, I think Sunset Overdrive might hit the PS4. We saw Mass Effect come to the PlayStation, and there's all this talk about Titanfall, so it could happen. Um, at Shifty25, um, he said, Insomniac actually owns the Sunset Overdrive IP, so they can do whatever they wish with keeping it exclusive or going multi-plat, etc. They chose to do this since all their previous hits that they never got to own, Ratchet and Clank and Resistance, etc. Um, over the past couple of weeks, we've been bringing up the idea of um, Sunset Overdrive possibly coming to PlayStation 4 in the future. Do you guys think that could happen? No. Yes. No, yes, no. Ben was actually the strongest opinion. He said that he would bet money that by winter next year we would have Sunset Overdrive on the PS4, just under a slightly different name. That's good money. That's good odds. Because <laughs> it's, it's, it's the new generation. Exclusivity means nothing unless you It means you timed exclusivity. It. Yeah, I mean, because, like, even for something like the Order 1866, like, for the PS4, honestly, half of me thinks it's going to be on the Xbox One at some point. Because really? unless it's a, fir- unless it's a first-party first party game... Is it, it is a first-party studio? It is. It's by oh, Sony. I thought... 
I thought no, not 1866. That's a different company. Order 1886. Yeah, that's Order 1886. That's that's yeah, that's Santa Monica Studios in uh, collaboration with Ready at Dawn. Then why Ready did at I Dawn hear? Like a- Boy, not Sunny. My bad. Yeah, because no, because I heard I read the thing about why they made it exclusive instead of multi-platform. So I'm pretty sure it's not a first-party game. Mm-hmm. Why is Sony Santa Monica working on it? Is it know. what it says? Yeah. Let's, let's double check. Let's double they're, check our facts. They're here. one of the developers. Credits of the trailer, yeah. Okay, then moot point. We'll just say we'll pick game X then, Even, unless it's first party. There's a good chance it's going to go multi-platform at some point because there's just it's not the SNES Genesis days. I mean, companies got to make their money because things cost so much now. They can't afford to not be uh, non-exclusive. Absolutely, um, it's the same thing with Bungie. I had a good rant on the Xbox gamers who were upset with Bungie for um, dealing so closely with with Sony lately. And, you know, the fact is Bungie and Insomniac are both independent companies and they have to make their money. And sometimes you make that money by taking deals. Sometimes you make it by um, just sending your game out to as many people as possible. Um, In this case, it was in um, Insomniac's best interest to uh, just make the deal. Um, In fact, uh, this is from IGN. Um, It was really important to Insomniac... Uh, from the get-go, that they they own their IP. Like, that was the biggest thing. They wanted to finally own their own IP. And um, Shifty's right. They do own the IP because Microsoft was... Um, uh, let me find this part here. Um, they said, yeah, Microsoft came just came in very energetic and insi- excited to work with Insomniac, period. Which doesn't shock me because Insomniac has like a 20-year relationship with Sony. Yeah, you bet that they were excited to have Insomniac work with Xbox now. Um, but yeah, Microsoft was excited to work with Insomniac. They were like, yeah, you can own your own IP. You can do all of this stuff. And so that was like the big thing where Insomniac said, okay, we'll, we'll let Microsoft do this. And um, the other thing is um, Microsoft actually published the game. I mean, Insomniac could at some point decide to go to, I, I don't know, EA or something and have someone else publish the game for a multi-platform audience. Um, but no, I mean, for 20 years, Sony's been publishing Insomniac's games, and now they're working with Microsoft, and Microsoft's publishing an Insomniac game. They, they don't tend to do that. So I don't, I don't know um, what's going to happen. I think it really just has to do with whatever deal has been made with Microsoft. I mean, they could have made a contract saying, you know, if there's a second game, it means we need to publish that too. You know, I don't know. It's really going to come down to that. But um, I don't see a reason. They'll definitely make more money um, putting the game on more than the Xbox One, especially since the Xbox One uh, technically has the lower audience, uh, the smaller audience right now. See, I, I would love for things to be like they were in the SNES Genesis era where it was tons of exclusivity and tons of original IPs where you have to pick this system over that system to get it. Because honestly, to me, it's just getting a bit boring because it's like, oh, Resident Evil, oh, pick your system, 
right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Assassin's Creed, pick your system. I mean, they don't have to get creative. They don't have to take risks. They can just put it on both, right? And PC, right? They can just put it on everything. And I think the systems lose their identity because of that. I mean, it was fun back in the day. It's like, oh, you, do you want Final Fantasy or do you want Fantasy Star? You got to pick your system or play or buy both if you want both. Um, and I just think it was better because uh, at least the fanboyism made sense back then. Because it's like, oh, we have Fantasy Star. You don't. We have Final Fantasy. We don't. Instead of like, oh, we have... Uh, Batman in 1080p, but you only have it in like 920p or some BS like that. It's the same game. I mean, so, and it's kind of like, I'm hoping that Sony goes more, breaks out the bank book, uh, brings out the blank checks and says, we want this franchise only for this system. You know, there's a rumor going around that Sony is uh, considering buying Crytek. Terrible but, idea. Well, you know Terrible? what? They what? should they should buy Capcom is what they should do because I would love to see Mega Man only on a PlayStation system. Okay, but wait, I, I'm I have my ears perked up at what Gary said. Why is this a terrible idea for Sony to buy Capcom? Crytek. Crytek. Crytek offers them nothing, absolutely nothing. Their engine is awesome, but like nobody's using it. Um, Which they, engine is Crytek's again? The CryEngine. Cry, Cry CryEngine, right, of yeah. course. It's a phenomenal engine, but like nobody's using it. They're licensing it out, and nobody apparently cares for it. I know that some um, Ion used it. I used to play Ion, and I know Ion used CryEngine for some things. It's a, it's a great engine, but it's, it's too hard to use, from what I hear from a lot of developers. Um, we try to use it in school, and it was too difficult to grasp. Um... Yeah, like their only real IP is Crisis. Well, then again, um, with the PS3 and the cell technology, if any company can work with this, maybe Sony has the experience. (laughs) Um, Crisis is their only IP, and it's not exactly a huge IP anymore. Yeah, Yeah, it's not a system seller. I I mean, you got Homefront coming out, but it's followed, it's following in the footsteps of one of the lowest-rated PS3 360 games. So it has a lot to prove to to win people over again. I just I see absolutely no reason for them to buy them. Right. The only reason I would buy them is to buy the, the ex-Vigil guys and have them work on Darksiders. That's just me. Well, you know, I don't know. I, I think... Um the whole thing about exclusivity, there are company, the companies are now trying to get exclusives. They're trying to utilize even multi-platform games and get exclusivity on those. So like with Destiny uh, and the PS4, like PS4 is like, yeah, you can get Destiny for the Xbox, but if you get it for the PS4, you get all this DLC and you get all these cool missions and you get all these cool... Um, um, weapons and you get a white PS4 and all of this stuff. So um, I, I think that they're trying to do that, but I, I kind of disagree with you, Dane, because I don't wish things were like they were back in the NS, SNES days. That was retarded. Um, and I wish that things weren't like they were now, because you're right that the fanboy stuff does not make any sense. 
I wish that things could be as they are now and there weren't any silly fanboys. Because the thing is, there is a big benefit to having the games available on your system. Um, because now you can buy one system and you don't have to spend another four or five hundred dollars on another system to play different games. Instead, you can just play them all on the system you've already bought. And that's, that's a really consumer friendly thing to have. The only thing is, gamers are too immature to handle it because they will go around and rant, not, not about the game being better, but about the system being better. It's like they don't care about the games, they just care about the system. It's like, yay, I have my PS4. It doesn't have any games. I, don't, I, I didn't buy any games for it, but that's okay because I have the PS4. It can be just a pretty black paperweight, but I'm happy because I have the PS4 and it has the most power and it can play this in 1080p, um, which is absolutely ridiculous. I think the fanboy stuff is stupid and that needs to go away, but I don't wish that things were like they were in the SNES because that was even dumber. I, I don't understand... like. I mean, I think we'll we'll have time to talk about that a little later. There was actually an article on that I'd like to bring up, but it, it's just kind of it's just kind of silly the whole thing. It, it's business, you know. Right, right now we're at a place where companies are competing like companies, and the fans around them are like beating each other over the head uh, because they want X company to do better than Y company, and I think it's silly. Um, you had to bring out the R word, didn't you? Man, you, you shot out a huge salvo there. What? Um, <laughs> oh, Yeah, you brought that out. I got to disagree with you. I would wish that it was back to the, the, the SNES Genesis days because I just think that was the creative high. Mm-hmm. Right? Or even, even going into the PS1. Yes. I will agree. Because, as far as creativity and as far as their willingness to take risks and try new things, definitely 100%. But as far as the attitude of... Uh, the companies and of the gamers behind them, yeah, I, I don't care for that. And I want to so point I, out, like, how much of that like rivalry necessarily drove that, you know, creativity. I think it's more so that the you know the budget required to make those games was a lot less. Uh, I don't know. I don't think it was a lot less because I mean, let's let's be honest. If it was a lot less, then why were they charging more than they are now for games? Well, think of it this way. Destiny cost five hundred million dollars to make. I for a sixty dollar game. Yeah, I seriously, seriously, seriously doubt that any game back then cost five hundred million dollars to make. Yeah, they 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 had smaller teams. I mean, even looking back on like, I know like the first Halo had a pretty small team, and now they have to have hundreds of people working on these games. So, and what sucks is gamers won't gamers demand that like they won't accept any less because if you have if you have 1079p instead of 1080p people flip out okay Okay, this this is my rant okay i'm gonna i'm gonna sidestep this into a rant because i saw a really good post by everyone's favorite uh koei guy chin everyone knows chin right yes i think remember chin Okay, so if you don't know Chin, he's the uh, community manager for Tecmo Koei or Koei Tecmo or whatever the company wants to call itself now in Europe. And he posted the best, best little uh, picture for why we can't have nice things, right? It says, no localization, then there's an arrow, localized, please. Localized, JP voice license, please. Voice option, Physical copy, please. Physical and digital, PC, please. 
PC version available? Yay, I'm going to get it on Pirate Bay tonight. <laughs> I mean, it's like this mentality. It's the mentality you said. Gimme, 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 gimme. And it's why we can't have nice things. And um, honestly, it's getting ridiculous, the industry now. So the point of why are companies kowtowing to the people? They should just be like, this is the game. Deal with it. Here you go. And save their money. Well, see, let me stop you right there because someone recently used the deal with it phrase. Um, and we know how that went. Looking at you, Adam Orth, from Microsoft. Um, I, I think that people are afraid to do that. The whole thing about AAAs and, and the, the reason why there's such potential in indie gaming now is because it's a huge risk to step out of the box with an indie with a with a triple A title. It's a huge risk to say this is our game, deal with it. Because gamers will flip out and not buy the game. And then the company loses money. Whereas indie games, they their stuff is not necessarily as much of a risk. And I get they're they're smaller companies, so it might be a big risk for them. But they have more freedom to be creative. They have smaller teams, everything doesn't have to go up some gigantic corporate ladder all the time. You know, they can be creative I, and, and they can... I got to counter that. I got to counter that, right? Well, can I finish it first? <laughs> sure, you can finish it first. <laughs> they, they, have more, uh, cre- they have more freedom to be creative and try new things and get new ideas out there. And um, that's part of where some of these big developers come from. They started, as we said, with s- as small teams, just like these indie companies. And so until they got as huge as they are, Naughty Dog was tiny as well. So it's like, you know, this is the next generation of game developers that we have here in this pool of indie developers. And I think that that's, there's just so much potential in them, especially because they have room to explore and learn, whereas a lot of the established AAA developers don't. Okay, I'm going to counter your deal with it rant with a uh, petitions mean nothing rant. Okay, just because there's going to be some vocal people on the internet decrying this game. Hold on a second. Is this a rant off? I don't. This could be a rant off. Yo, rant off. Right. Right. Just because you got like X people in the internet being super loud and obnoxious doesn't mean it's going to change the fact that the game is going to sell or not. Absolutely. Uh, People are going to buy it whether they like it or not. If it's a good game, people are going to buy it. They'll bitch about it. They're probably hypocrites. Well, they'll just complain and then buy it anyways. Uh, but I don't think it's going to... Uh, uh, like, I mean, the, the AAA titles should be taking risks. They should be taking risks. And if someone says, you know what? We're not going to do Japanese voice, license, uh, voice acting. You got your English ones. Deal with it. Uh, People are still going to buy it. If people are going to say, no, I'm not going to buy this game because it doesn't have the Japanese voices, they didn't really want the game to begin with. Well, right? the- They just wanted these Japanese voices is all they want. It's just yeah. this entitlement. I mean, I would love to be honest. I would rather have no voices because it co- brings the cost down and then I don't have to listen to crappy voice actors most of the time because let's be honest a lot of it's not good Um, a lot of it's just normal i'd rather just read the text because it's faster i don't have to listen to things but i love the the voice of it i absolutely love the voice acting in in infamous second son like when, when when you do the voice acting right it really can bring the game together 
Oh, well, I'm sure, but then you're going to just add on, because everyone's expecting this, lower budget titles now have to put in voices, which crank up the cost. I mean, I look at a game like Mind Zero. Okay, that game that I reviewed had probably the best voice acting I have heard in a long freaking time. It was on par with Persona. That's why I called it a Persona killer, if they can get their story act together. Or not their story, their... Uh, their um, combat act together because um, the voice acting was super good but it still got panned by critics so was those voices really needed uh, you just take it out is it gonna really change things no I'll just do my uh, I'll just read the text so I go it old school I have to read yeah. right? oh no that hard skill of reading oh, no. and for me and for me personally, this is just a personal thing, it's faster for me to get through a game. It's actually more enjoyable to get through a game if I can just read the text without listening to anything because it's quicker. Honestly, I don't want to listen to a book. I don't do the whole listen to book things. Audio, I don't do audio books. No, me neither. So then RPGs are basically books. They're interactive books. And yeah, you get really good voice acting. is super great. But half the time, I just skip through it anyways. Mm-hmm. And then I just get the whole, for like a minute, because I'm going so fast reading this thing. And that's just even more annoying. I kind of want to take that little sound you just made and play it somewhere else random in the, in the rest of the podcast. Well, there you go. <laughs> but the point is, it brings the cost down, which means because something's now of a lesser cost, they can take more risk. So if it isn't as successful, they're not burned as badly. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, again, it goes back to indies. Indies can do it. But I just think people should be like, this is my, this is my thing. You're going to like it or you're not going to like it and then they deal with it. I think, again, one of the best ways to find out how much people want something is to put it on Kickstarter. Yes. People, people, Ernest and I have been saying that forever. Yeah, people want Shenmue 3 so bad. Have Sega come up with a design, whatever, put it on Kickstarter, and see how much people really want it. You know, that's interesting, because before this started, I was looking at this has nothing to do with gaming, by the way. But before um, we started recording, I was looking at Kickstarter, and I saw something called Remote Controlled Humans. And obviously, my curiosity was piqued. And I looked at it, and it's not actual remote controlled humans. But what it is is you have people who use their phones as um, actors. They call them actors. But basically, what happens, you... Um, wherever you are in the world, you ask the actors to complete a task, to do something, so and, and you pay them to do that. So you can use your phone to get an actor and say, hey, uh, can you go to this grocery store and buy me three cups of yogurt? I will give you the reimbursement when you, get, when you bring them to me. And this actor will go to the store, bring, uh, buy the yogurt, whatever you want, bring them to your house, you pay them, they're done. And it's kind of cool. And, you know, what? why I'm bringing this up is because this is, they're doing something that I haven't seen before. They're offering refunds. Like, this is on Kickstarter basically just to gauge interest. Um, if the money decides to, I mean, if the, if the project succeeds, then the money that they donate, that's $25 and higher, is going to be in an account for them to use as credit with the service. And if it 
fails, if it doesn't meet its Kickstarter goal, well, they won't have spent any of the money and they'll just refund it back minus whatever Kickstarter and Amazon took out in fees. Well, see, this is what Ernest and I have been saying for months in our, in our chats is these companies with these big IPs or niche IPs, all they have to do is go on Kickstarter and say, hey, do you want Yakuza 5? Do you want Yakuza Ishin? Do you want Shenmue? Do you want pick the title you want, right? Who people want it localized. All you got to say is this is the game. You pay your 60 bucks up front, right? Up front as in your donation, okay? <clears throat> we need X sales at $60 for this to be localized and to it be worth our time. You do it, you got the game. You don't, well, stop your bitching because you don't really want the game because here's exactly. your here's your proof in the pudding. And I have no sweet clue why these companies don't do that. I mean... It's the perfect opportunity for them. It's the perfect opportunity. You could say, well, we don't want to do Yakuza 5 because the other games didn't sell as well. Or we don't want to do Shenmue because it didn't, it won't sell. Well, put it on Kickstarter. Make the fans put their money where their mouth is. Because it's not like you're going to lose anything, right? If it succeeds, well, you got your game. You paid your 60 bucks, you got your game. If it doesn't succeed, well, then you, you lost nothing. And because it's a big company, there's a really good chance you know they're not going to balk on it. You know that Sega is not going to take the money and run compared to some like indie company. You know Sony's not going to take the money and run compared to some indie company mm -hmm. uh, or something like that. So, they're not spending their own money. They're spending the yeah. money people give them. Yeah. And I mean, it, the, the product's already made, too, and the product's already made. It's just paying for the localization fees is all it is. You know, Gary, yeah. this is off topic. Gary, what is it with your phone, man? <laughs> I know. Every time, it's always you. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all right, man. I forgive you. But, yeah. So if you're listening any of these big companies, do it. Just put it on Kickstarter. Kickstart it. The localization. I and agree, then I mean, right. it, it could be considered a pre-order. I mean, right. And there you go. It, it's better. And then you can say, well, we offered and people didn't want it. So stop yeah. your bitching. And do, you right. can do what these remote-controlled humans people are doing. And you can just, you know, whatever, whatever you get in donations, just put it aside. If it fails, then just give the money back. If not, yep. then count it as a pre-order. And you would have an instant gauge of how interested people are in your game. Yeah, I, here are some games that have already worked. Uh, a fan fan group decided to kickstart a StarCraft MMO. Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh, that's not going to happen. Blizzard's not going to allow it. Well, Blizzard, said, Blizzard gave them their blessing to do it. And the game got funded, and it's going to be coming out, I think, sometime next year. It's been in beta for a while now. Uh, if you guys remember a game called Mutant Football League, on the Genesis. Oh, Mut Mutant League Football, Mutant League yes. Hockey is awesome. That game was put on Kickstarter by fan demand. And guess what? It failed. I guess people really didn't want it as much as they said they did. Yeah. And, and what about um, Amplitude? Um, this is a really recent one. Harmonix was concerned because they put, uh, they wanted to bring back, back Amplitude for the new generation, uh, which is kind of a rhythm game uh, that was originally released back in 2003. And they were concerned because their Kickstarter wasn't doing all that great. And they said, you know, this is literally it. Like, if you can't fund, uh, if we don't meet this goal, we can't make the game. We, mm -hmm. we can't afford it. And just like that, it shot up and they got it. 
Um, mm-hmm. The only thing I would look out for is, like, I, I guess I call it American Idol Syndrome, because there are people who will want the thing, but they'll be like, oh, well, someone else will do it. I don't, my vote's not going to count that much anyway. But, and, and so that then, even though fans really do want it, it won't, it just won't get votes because people are, are lazy or whatever. Well, then they don't really want it then. If they really want it, they'll put their money up. Mm-hmm. They're just, it's just faux wanting it. It's like, oh, well, it's I like, want yeah, it. It's like, yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. Be cool, man. But, but I don't I really buy it, do that. You know? Yeah, it'd be cool if it was like maybe a dollar, but sixty dollars. Yeah, I, uh, I would easily fork over over a thousand dollars for a new Shadow Hearts. What? That's, really? A thousand dollars? I would, man. That's like one of those things where they take you to the studio for donating so much. Yeah, hey, yeah. that's that is my favorite RPG franchise of all time. Oh, I would yeah. be more than happy to do What's it. Called? I would be down for Shadow, Shadow Hearts. Shadow Hearts? Yeah. Yes. Okay. It was on the PS2. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, that I have all three, but I mean, it's like, um, what was it? I was talking to Chin about it, about Romance of the Three Kingdoms 12, and I'm like, I want that game in English. I want that game in English, but the company, it's the one romance game that did not get localized. And I'm like, why? And I love it so much, I even bought it in Japan. When I was in Japan, I bought the game in Japanese. I have the game almost platinumed. And it's in Japanese. <laughs> I mean, you put that up for a localization, I'll pay the 60 bucks. Hell yes, I'll pay the 60 bucks for that game. People, there's games that people want, and they've got to use Kickstarter. I mean, even if KG Inafune, I did this last summer. I wrote an article for the site, KG Inafune, when he was doing the Mighty Number no. 9 Kickstarter. People are like, we want Mega Man. We want a real Mega Man. And he makes Mighty Number no. 9. It's Mega Man. Just different different character palettes, but it's Mega Man. And that game got like $2 million or something like that. And this is Keiji and Afune. So these companies should wake up because if he's doing it, you know this is getting legit. It should be legit. So th- there's no excuses. These companies have no excuses. They know it's there. They should, because it's, you know, like, what does it cost? Like, so what if it costs a little bit of money to put it up there? Uh, even if it costs, like, $100, $1,000 to put your Kickstarter up there, um, it's probably free. I'm pretty sure it's free, but even if it wasn't, it's like, well, you've tried. You don't want it. Deal with it. And why do I hear someone whistling? That's fireworks outside my window. That sounds like you're about to be bombarded like by grenades and rockets <laughs> or gang war, man. Well, I'm hoping that doesn't happen. I'm hoping they explode in the sky where they belong. Wasn't it Gary who said he was? We we're supposed to hear fireworks on his side. Yes, but we're he did. On yours. Yes, that's exactly what's happening. Um, <laughs> gang wars in Florida. Yep. Or it's dark. It's already darker over there in Florida than it is here. Yeah, it's it's nighttime out there. It's dark. Um, so, but whereas it's eight, seven, six p.m. over there with you, aren't you? Isn't it? Um, let's see. That was actually a pretty interesting discussion, dude. That's what I like. That's what I like about this team. Always such good discussions. Um, you, you need me on more often. Got to get <laughs> off my my butt and wake up early. It's on the weekends. Yeah, he's in Korea, so it's hard. What time is it there for you right now? 
Uh, right now it's ten eleven in the morning, right. but we were supposed to start this at like eight a.m. Yeah. So and, and it doesn't help that some of our crew is from the UK, so it's actually super late for them right now. It's uh, ten eleven twelve. It's two in the morning for them right now. So yep. um, that that makes things difficult for them. Um, let's talk. gang wars don't help either. <laughs> no, they don't. Not at all. Um, I feel like I've moved to Compton or something. Um, let's talk Wii U for just a second. Ubisoft has apparently not given up on the Wii U. Uh, we've been hearing talk about how a lot of big developers have halted production for stuff on the Wii U um, because of its poor performance. However, Ubisoft has claimed otherwise. Um, according to Yves Guillemot, who is from Ubisoft, he's the CEO of Ubisoft, he told Polygon that Watch Dogs is still coming to the Wii U this November, but Ubisoft is being much more careful with new products. In fact, they have some products ready for the Wii U. Um, quote from, directly from him, he says, we have another couple of products that are waiting to launch. Uh, specifically, we have one game that we wait for the machine to be more on mass market to launch. So what... Ubisoft is actually doing is it's waiting for the Wii U to do a little better before it invests its time and money into putting these big games onto the system. Um, in fact, that's precisely what he said here. We don't have a number. We need the sales to increase so it becomes more and more mass market. Then we will have the volume that will justify massive marketing and TV marketing. Um, that's terrible. That's a terrible business practice. Do you think so? You just spend millions of dollars making a game, and you don't even want to release it? Well, now, be careful. Money's because, just going be, be careful, because remember, it's Ubisoft, and Ubisoft never launches a game on just one system. Um, it's If they have a game ready for the Wii U, it's probably available on other consoles as well. You know what this is? I think what this is is they saw how Mario Kart 8 has moved a lot of Wii U's. Like, oh, let's reconsider this. That's all I think it is. Mm-hmm. Until I see those games running on the Wii U, I don't even care if it's a leaked video. I'm not going to believe they have anything on the Wii U. Actually, I'm going to take that back, because wasn't Zombie U made by Ubisoft? Yes. Okay, so yes, it has done stuff for the Wii U exclusively before. I, I haven't even seen a single screenshot of Watch Dogs on the Wii U. No. I don't even know if that game is in existence. It's not out yet for the Wii U. Yeah, they said November. Mm-hmm. Way to release a game to die in that holiday season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, the, the good news is that things are improving, in fact, for the Wii U. It's been doing particularly well in Japan. It's been outselling the PS4 in Japan. Um, it's, uh, like you said, Mario Kart 8 has been moving a lot of units. Um, a new Star Fox is coming in 2015, uh, which is just great. And uh, Super Smash Brothers is coming, so it feels like the Wii U is finally getting some of the software it needs to start moving some serious numbers, um, which, according to Yves Guillemot, is what Ubisoft is waiting for. So, um, uh, what what kind of stuff do you think that they could be talking about? I, I think that it could be third-party games, but um, now looking again at what Guillemot said, he says, we have one game... Uh, in particular, that they have one game in particular that they're waiting for the machine to, quote, be more mass market to launch. Okay. I, to Zombie U, in my opinion. A sequel to Zombie U? Well, yeah, that's the only thing I could think it would be. Weren't they upset about it because Ubisoft had, um, wasn't Ubisoft upset because Zombie U hadn't sold as much as it expected? 
I believe because so. it was a crap game. <laughs> would they would they return to a series that a franchise that they were unhappy with? Ubisoft doesn't abandon franchises. No. <laughs> yeah, we got. I mean, we got Red Steel too. <laughs> Red Steel one kind of bombed. Yeah. They're always going to try a second time before they give up on something. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Well, Gilmo seems to believe that the Wii U can turn around. Um, he said, so "Wasn't I saying like many podcasts that the Wii U is going to be good? Nintendo is going to be good. It's just they're waiting in the weeds for this, the opening salvos of no. Microsoft and Sony." No, that's that's bull. That, that, I've been saying that forever, man. Yeah, you have, but that's not that's not it at all. Like, that, why would you sink your company? Why would you spend all this money on poor marketing? Why would you sell? A, why would you sell a good product in a substandard way? I'll put it that way, and have poor public perception of the device. Spending all this money trying to turn it around. Why would you do that just to sit and wait for the other companies to make the opening shots? That, that, that's not... If they are doing it that way, that is the absolute stupidest business practice I've ever heard of in I, my I, life. I didn't say it wasn't stupid. <laughs> I didn't say it wasn't stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I say it wasn't stupid. But I mean, it's like um, this whole waiting and see thing, it's kind of going to... It's going to tie into well, my rant later for the Vita okay. is the fact that it's, it's just make the game. If the game is good, if the game is going to be good, it goes back to what we're talking about, exclusivity. People will buy it. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, do you like Streets of Rage? Hell yes, that was an awesome game. Well, you got to buy a Sega. you got to buy a Genesis to play it. People would buy their Genesis. Do you like Sonic? Do you like Mario? you got to buy the system. I think companies now are waiting for the consoles to sell before they make the quote-unquote good games. Instead of just making a good game. Make your good game. Take your risk with a new IP or whatever. Or rehash an old one. Make a sequel. But make your good game. And then you will get lots of sales. Right? And that's what will happen. You want the Wii U to sell? Well, then make an awesome game for the Wii U to sell it. Show us your chops. Come on, Ubisoft. Show us your chops. Show us you can make an exclusive game. Believe it or not. Make it good. Believe it or not, um, actually, I forgot what I was going to say, so I'm just going to say something else. Um, Ubisoft kind of uh, agrees with you there, um, actually. Um, Gilmo said that he would like to wait for Smash Brothers to come. He says, I think we have to wait for Smash Brothers to come because it's always been a huge property for Nintendo, for gamers. There are a lot of Nintendo fans waiting for it. Um, I think. Mario Kart I think, wasn't enough? Huh? Mario Kart wasn't enough? Mario Kart. Well, in my opinion, Super Smash Brothers is bigger than Mario Kart. I think. Um, Kart is already a good indication of what Smash Brothers. It's, it's is a good be. indication. Like Nintendo hasn't lost it. it; it just doesn't know how to sell it anymore. I think. Um, but I, I. I agree with that. I heard that it's. Um, I heard that its uh, E3 presentation was actually really good this year. In fact, Ernest, you said it won. Yeah, I would say overall it did. Uh, I agree with Ernest too. Yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't see it that day. I, I overslept, but I, I didn't see it. But I'm. I'm happy that it was so good. Um, believe it or not, and now I remember what I was going to say. Believe it or not, these things actually require some software to sell. Who Who would have thought that? You know, who would have thought that they just weren't shiny paperweights that you actually need <laughs> software to run them on? Um, 
Although I, I am curious now that you say it, Dane, because like you said, and like Eve Gilmore himself said, if you put the games out, they will come. So yeah. why it's, is he... if you build it, they will come? It's the 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 what's the name of the movie? Field of Dreams, yeah. right? If you build it, it will come. So then, and why is he? Why is he? Why, why are he and Ubisoft unwilling to be the ones that put out that game? Because they're... I don't know why. Because it's not like you have to make this multi-billion dollar game. Right. I'm, that's the ridiculousness of the industry now. Is everyone thinks you've got to make this huge multi-billion dollar game to make multi-billion dollars back and make the same bloody profit as if you made like a super cheap SNES-era game and made a medium profit. I mean, like, this is what I don't get, is you have all of these big companies with lots of money, your GTA, or like your Rockstar, sorry, uh, your Ubisoft, your, well, Capcom kind of doesn't have money anymore, but you get my drift, the established companies. Why don't they have, like, a couple different teams? They just make, like, old-school SNES-era, Genesis-era graphical-type games and put them on these... Uh, put them on these handhelds as an example. I'm going to focus on the handhelds. I'm getting to my beta rant, right? Put them on these handhelds and then things will sell. I mean, Nintendo does it. Freaking, they got Fire Emblem Awakening is probably one of the best games on there. You got Pokemon, right? What do, are those games inferior because they don't have the graphical capabilities of a Mass Effect? Hell no, but they sell better than Mass Effect, Right in the case of Pokemon, Pokemon's probably one of the highest-selling games ever. So, why is the uh, why are they not just doing that? And they're all all the big companies are just spending tons and tons of money, hoping to make the next GTA. Right when GTA is just GTA, right? They're spending tons of money, spending lots of time to do the big cash-in. Instead of doing a lot of smaller mini cash-ins, right? I would love to see Chrono Trigger 2 go old school, SNES era. I would, I would play it on the 3DS. I could care less. I could play on the Vita, the 3DS, whatever. I'll, I'll buy Wii U for it if it was exclusive on that thing. I'll buy a Wii U for it. There you go. I'll go and buy a Wii U for my uh, Chrono Trigger 2. Uh, just make it that, those era graphics. I think companies are focusing too much on graphics, which costs too much. They're hoping for big payoffs, which costs too much. And then if it fails, they shut down after one game. Look at Murdered Soul Suspect, right? Um, look at L.A. Noir. Those two games were awesome, especially L.A. Noir. That was my game of the console. I don't care what anyone says, that was the best game on the PS3, right? In my opinion. Uh, and, oh, well, it went through development hell for five years and did great. And then for a non-established company, and then the company shut down. So we're not going to see LNOR 2 unless Rockstar decides to, to put it out themselves. Uh, but it's just, it's high risk, high reward. Do some small risks, get some small reward. But if you can go pump out 10 new RPGs a year, like say, for example, for Square Enix, then you got the capital to offset things if you, if you make the next uh, RPG that bombs, the next visual masterpiece, and it doesn't sell as well. 
I said I was really surprised that Ubisoft didn't release uh, Child of Light and Valiant Hearts on the Wii U. I yeah, was, I mean those aren't graphical <laughs> beasts. The Wii U can handle that easily. Yeah, they're pretty much indie games. They're fifteen dollars. Mm. So you you build it and they will come. And I'm sick of all of these companies saying, oh, this is dead or that is it. No, you suck. (laughs) That's why it's this. Seriously, you can't make a game. You have an IP that works and you're sticking with it. Make a new friggin' IP that doesn't cost you $100 a year. It costs you like half a million, right? It's as simple as that. Yeah, Capcom, Mega Man is not dead. You killed it. Right, and oh. you know what? This goes to the thing about exclusivity again, right? And I'm almost done my rant. Freaking Sony should have bought Atlas. Sony should buy Capcom, right? It's as simple as that. If these three, it doesn't matter if it's Microsoft, Sony, or Nintendo. I only mentioned Sony first because I love my PlayStation. <laughs> doesn't matter which three it is. You want those big name games to be for only your system? You buy that company when it gets into trouble. One of those three should have bought. Atlas instead of uh, Sega, because now Sega is going to put Atlas through hell. Um, Capcom's up potentially. Well, freaking Nintendo should buy Capcom, because wouldn't you love to have old school Mega Man and Ghouls and Ghosts and all of those games on your Wii U? That would but sell no, the Wii U. Everybody's looking at Resident Evil. That's right? the well, if Microsoft is going to buy Capcom, that's the only game they're looking at to have. Is but you, but you still have it. So you have a bunch. So Mega Man's a B title now, or a C title. Who cares? You, you can then bring it back up to glory. These companies don't want to bring their things up to glory. It's just instant gratification. This game didn't sell like GTA Five, so nope, it's not as good anymore, right? It's, it's just crap, right? It's just crap. Rant over. <laughs> Drop the mic, bitches. I think you were going to say something, Ernest. <laughs> I said boom. Oh, okay. The, the thing about the Vita, um, you know, we recently got news that EA was dropping support for the Vita, but it's also dropping support for the 3DS. Because, see, it doesn't really have anything specifically to do with the Vita. EA just doesn't want to make any more games for handheld systems. I never what saw they it. Made for it. What have they made for it? <laughs> I don't know. Besides the launch titles, I don't think they've done anything for them. Uh, let's see. It has done ports of Need for Speed, Most Wanted, FIFA, and Madden. Oh, yeah, Need for Speed. Um, so, so, in other words, they made... Oh, yeah, FIFA. They the just, game, they just changed forward. the title, and it's the exact same game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've not really done anything for it. So, let's be honest. EA is a crap company. They can't make good games anymore. Well, to tell the truth, I think that they're a little misguided myself because the COO, Peter Moore, he told GamesIndustry.biz that, um, that EA needs to think about what platforms will be around two or three years from now. And they don't think that the Vita and the 3DS are going to be around in some shape or fashion by this. This is a quote. He says, do you think, to my point, we've got to be planning for fiscal year 17 and 18. Do you think the Vita and the 3DS are going to be around in some shape or fashion by then on a scale level? Okay. The, the 3DS? The 3DS. Oh, yes. Okay. This, this shows to me 
what kind of company EA is. Because, to, to me, they don't understand what they're working with at all. Because the Vita, you know, you can back and forth on that. Sales have been up. Stores are out of stock because of high demand. But the Vita does just doesn't sell as high as the 3DS. The 3DS is one of the best-selling consoles. It is still one of the best-selling consoles available right now. Do you think it's going to be around in some shape or fashion two or three years down the road? Yes, it's going oh, to yeah. be around in some shape or fashion. I, I, have, one, yes. I have a one-word reply to that. I have a one-word reply to that. Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah. That's your reply. The nostalgia for, for the Ruby and Sapphire remakes is going to just push even more units like, you know, later this year. You know what else? Zelda. Z- and Zelda. Zelda is perfect for the handheld. I mean, like this... It just shows that EA does not understand their market. EA just doesn't understand their market. I, I felt that way with Battlefield 4 um, because they, they pushed that out for their, sh- their shareholders. That was not for the gamers at all. Um, I mean, I, has EA... My, my question is, has EA ever had like a remotely successful handheld game? Maybe no. not. I can't think of one, so maybe that's why they're so jaded on handhelds. I think he's looking into the future... Because they have absolutely nothing in development, so it's going to take them three years to make something. Is it going to be worth it? I mean, let's let's put this this way, okay? I'm looking at okay. Take it with a grain of salt. This is VG charts. I don't know how accurate their information is, but going by VG charts, there's 43.4 million units of the 3DS sold. If you cannot make a game for the 3DS when there's 43 million units out right now, you have a problem. <laughs> It's not the Vita, it's not the PS4, it's not the Xbox One, it's nothing or the Wii U. There's 43 million units for this system, and you cannot make a game that's going to... It just shows how crap your development team is. If you cannot make a game for a system that has 43 million units, right? We're not talking about potential. We're not talking about long-term potential like the Xbox One or the PS4 or the Wii U. The potential is now. They have the units sold. People have 43 million of them. You have customers, 43 million customers. You just can't make games, EA. Look at Syndicate. Look at all of the companies they bought out. Seriously, except for Mass Effect, what are they really making? Their, their sports games are crap now. Uh, UFC got panned horribly. Um, my buddy, honestly, I was talking to my buddy here. UFC, he's a huge UFC fan. That was a PS4 system seller for him. That was a PS4 system seller for him until he saw a quick look, and then his soul was shattered. And he's like, I'm never going to buy that game, ever, because it's so horrible. Um, it's EA just cannot make games that people really love, except for Madden. <laughs> but that's just because no. it's... <laughs> I don't even like sports games. I, I don't watch sports. What the heck? Um, you know, there is something that has made us sad. Uh, this comes from GameSpot via PlayStation Universe, of course. Um, Sony's decreasing, as you said, Sony's, Sony itself is decreasing first-party support for the Vita, focusing on indies and remote play. But what strikes me is the reason why they're doing this. Um, here's this paragraph from uh, this article. It says, in an interview with Polygon, okay, so I guess this doesn't come from GameSpot. I, all of these things are confusing. So I guess this comes from Polygon. <laughs> Uh, via GameSpot, via PSU. Um, Yoshida explained that Sony's philosophy for both the PS Vita and the PlayStation Portable has always been to recreate a console-quality experience in a handheld, but while this worked on the PSP, Sony ran into difficulties with the Vita. He says, 
When we launched the Vita with Uncharted, it was amazing. PS3-like quality in your palm. I can attest to that. But as time moved on, you were seeing PS4 quality, and people's expectations for the graphic fidelity has gone up. So basically, they're dropping support for the Vita because gamers just keep pressing for more. Deal with it. That's my thing. Deal the fuck with it. It's a handheld... I don't want a PS4 in my hand. I want a handheld. That's how the 3DS works. Do people give a crap that Pokemon doesn't look like Mass Effect? Hell no, because how many units of Pokemon have sold? A million? Two million? Here, Ernest? Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though. Look at the 3DS. No one has ridiculous expectations of graphic fidelity on the 3DS. And as far as complaints with the Vita go, I never really hear anyone complain that the graphics on Vita games aren't good enough. I hear complaints that there just aren't enough good games. People can't make games anymore. I don't get it. Just just make make the game, people will come. So, make the game, people will come. So I think uh, Yoshida's on the... Sorry, Ernest, I'll be done in a second. I think Yoshida's on the wrong track here, because I don't think it's about... With the Vita, with a handheld especially... I don't think it has anything to do with graphic fidelity. I just think it has no great games on it yet. I mean, look at Tearaway. It's, it's not exactly Uncharted 4, but people freaking love that game. You know? I mean, like you said, if you build it, they will come, but you have to have games. Anyway, go ahead, Ernest. Tearaway is fantastic. Um, Pokemon X and Y, I think this is a stat back in, like, April. Um has sold over 12 million. Wow. There you go. Less than a uh, year, right? <laughs> and the DS one is like 13 million I'm looking at right now. So, and it's you build it, they will come. They just, these big companies just can't build the games. Just can't build a game. And I mean, how much does it cost to make a SNES era game now? Honestly? How much? I actually, I'm putting it out to the listeners. How much do you think? It tweet it be us. one guy. One guy right? can make one. Right? Because I'm thinking, like, on, the, the, the big game that I'm looking forward to the most coming out is actually an indie game. And that is, yeah, it is uh, Cosmic Star Heroine by um, Z-Boyd yeah. Games. I did an interview with them uh, last year. It's basically a cross between Swakoden and Chrono Trigger and like SNES Final Fantasy is the way they put it. And the music I heard is great. Uh, Because they put this on Kickstarter. The characters look cool. The idea looks cool. It's just an old school SNES looking RPG. And it got Kickstarted. They're working on it. And... I'm going to buy it. It's on the Vita. It's on the PS4, the Vita, and Steam. Um, and if it's two guys. It's two guys, and then they, they hired out a musical team. So it maybe two guys and maybe another guy or two. So, you know, make a four-man team, right? Capcom, make your four-man team. Uh, Square, make your four-man team. Make some SNES-era games. I mean, if six guys can give me what Big Sky Infinity is going to be, then... Sony, you can give me a triple-A awesome Vita game. <laughs> I'm sorry. They can give you That's the world, Gary. They don't even need to be triple-A. Just give us, like, a, a bunch of A's. Yeah, hey, you know Dude, what? Give us uh, a sequel to Legend of Dragoon on the Vita. People That's Square. It. 
That's Square. But Legend yeah. of Dragoon, that's Sony, dude. Legend of Dragoon is Square. Legend of Dragoon was Sony. I'm pretty sure. Okay, let's double check. Let's go to Wikipedia. <laughs> it was then. It was crossed by by Square. I was pretty sure. Maybe Square published. It's uh, developed and published by Sony Computer Entertainment. There you go. Why did I think it was a Square game? The fact that Final Fantasy Type Zero, or Type O, whatever it is, is not coming out on the Vita. It was a PSP game. That it's not coming out on the Vita is a slap to the face, man. That game better look like Final Fantasy Thirteen if it's coming out on on the PS4. I'm really surprised that they're not also releasing that on the last gen consoles on PS3 and 360. Yeah, it's a little weird. It's a PSP game. Unless that game has been completely reworked, I don't think it's going to be the greatest looking game. It's I'd be PSP. okay with that. I just want to play it. Yeah. <laughs> I think people just want to play it. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree with you, Gary. That should be on. If it's if it's from the PSP, then why is it not on the Vita? It's the most logical step. It's a logical mm-hmm. step. Put it on the next handheld. Um, it's like, I think Nintendo learned this super early right uh in the the 64 era days it's like we got pokemon it's a freaking handheld game why are we going to even try to put it on a console so let's leave it on the handheld and let's keep that market the way it is so why are you going to divide your market that you've created you you know what else i think that um i think that just yoshida and sony are just completely off on the whole Vita thing um, because this is a huge slap in the face to those who have already purchased the device, buying into Sony's message. And it's Sony themselves who have said that everyone who has bought a Vita so far loves the thing. Mm-hmm. But why won't people buy it? Hmm, let's see. Lack no of games. huge games. That and you have to spend like a hundred bucks on a freaking memory card. You know, there are a number, there, there, there are reasons why people are not buying the Vita so much. All right. Yeah. And the least of which is graphical fidelity. So I And the, it, the interesting thing, sorry to cut you off, is sometimes when they do the crossplay games where it's on both the PS3 and the Vita, the Vita game is actually superior. Case in point is Dragon's Crown. I cannot play that game on a PS3. When I got to review it, we got code for both the PS3 and the Vita version. I tried it on, honestly, I tried it on the PS3 first, and I was like, man, this, this isn't that fun. And then I put it on the Vita, and then it became a 9 out of me. It went from a 7 to a 9, because the game is built for the touchscreen. A lot of the stuff in it is built for the touchscreen. It makes life so much easier than just using the cursor uh, with the controller. And so you're going you're gonna to see that. See, the Vita has its space. The Vita has its niche. It, has the, it can do the things that only the Vita can do best. But Sony just hasn't found those yet for some reason. I mean, it, it just hasn't found them. And it's now blaming the, um, the, the gamers' high expectations, which I agree are pretty ridiculous at times. But in this case, I don't think that they have anything at all to do with the Vita's problems. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm just wondering where all of this come from, comes from. I, I'm disappointed, and I'm sure a lot of... Uh, other gamers are disappointed as well because while indies again i don't have a problem with indies but we bought the vita because of the experience that sony was originally going for 
We love the Vita. Those who bought the Vita love the Vita because of the experience that Sony was originally going for. So now, after we've bought this, after we've bought into this, and after we've been talking about this, to, to go ahead and change that whole message now on us, that doesn't feel very good. You know what I bought the Vita for? Persona 4 Golden. <laughs> That's what I bought the Vita for because it's exclusive. It is exclusive. That was a system seller. Did you know that there is an animation, a new Persona 4 animation? Uh, yes, coming out. Two of us. Stuff. Yep. Persona 4 Golden. Yeah. Yep. The animation. July 10th. If you're a Persona fan, check out Persona 4 Golden, the animation. Um, <laughs> it's the same thing, just for Golden, I guess. You know what sucked is I was in Japan, like literally if I was in Japan, like a one more month, I could have saw Persona 3, the movie. In theaters in Japan. There's Persona 3 the movie? I didn't even know that. There's, there's Persona 3 the movie. They chopped it up into a couple movies. Movies, yeah. I was about to say. Yeah, they chopped it up into a couple. And I was like, man, I would go see this even though I don't know what's being said. But I had to leave before it was up in theaters. So they, they just, Atlas is making movies of it. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping they continue to. I don't know what Sega is going to do with them. So, because now we don't know if we're going to get the next Yakuza game from Sega. And I don't know why. That's completely Atlas off topic. Pardon, Gary? I said, let Atlas localize it for you. Yeah, I think we've been saying on this show forever, let Atlas localize your games. Why did you yeah. buy Atlas then, if not to get these localizations? Why spend the money to buy Atlas? if you weren't going to use their localization team to do Yakuza or Shenmue 3 or any of these other things. So there's another company that has no clue what it's doing sometimes. It's Sega. I think it <laughs> so, would have been cool if Sony had bought Sega. I hope Sony buys Sega. I don't think at the time it was worth it. No? No. Do you mean Atlas? To buy Atlas? Atlas is what I meant, but Sega yeah. too. Oh, Alice would have been a phenomenal choice for that. Mm -hmm. But then again, it's one of those things like, do you need to buy a company that's technically only releasing games on your system? Well, well they're not. They're not. They, they release stuff for the Nintendo 3DS as well. I know, but like the big games like Persona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not releasing well, on anything else. Yeah, on the 3DS and on the Wii U. Persona, like Persona 3, Persona 4, Persona 5, that kind of Persona? Oh yeah. well, no, but they're doing oh that persona, yeah, but persona Q. Yeah, persona, persona Q is Oh, uh, that's gonna be big. Uh Persona or uh, SMT cross fire emblem. Well that's on the Wii U. There's my system seller mm -hmm. for the Wii U. So SM even even uh SMT, Shimigami Tensei is uh is a three DS exclusive game. That's well, not but on the But the thing DS. is, I don't think Sony right now is considering Nintendo their biggest competition. They're more worried about Microsoft right now than Nintendo. Nintendo is everyone's competition. Yeah. <laughs> well, never count out Nintendo. No, never oh, count them out. Totally. Like I've always said, if there's like a big video game crash and like only one company is going to survive, it's going to be Nintendo. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because it, the thing is, Nintendo isn't just really good in one area. I mean, the the original Wii was terrific. But now look at the Wii U, which, to tell the truth, is also terrific. Nintendo just sucks at selling it. Um, even with all that Nintendo has gone through with the Wii U, 
it's totally fine. I mean, it still has the 3DS, which is sold like crazy. And then it has all of its games, the Mario, the Zelda, Mario Kart, all of that. It's its own studio as well. So it has several different areas to fall back on and, and to improve um, should anything happen. Like, this is a, a, a pretty secure company. Oh, so well, let's, let's look at the numbers for from VG Charts, just as an example. Uh Nintendo DS sold 154 million units. Uh, the Wii, 101 million units. Game Boy Advance, 81 million units. Um, I mean, even because uh, even if the Wii U does turn into to be a bust, I mean, they survived the GameCube. They survived the Nintendo 64. Those units, those systems were crap. And you also have to remember, outside of shipping costs. Mm-hmm. And stocking costs that they're not losing a penny on those systems. No, they're making profit. It's all profit. It's all yeah. profit. They, they for the one have not. They for, one, the- they, they, have, they for one have not chased the idea of showing every single tiny little sparkle of sweat, and instead they 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 focused a little more on gameplay and um, they've identified themselves with these quirky kind of animated type graphics instead, and that's paid off for them because they haven't taken any losses in. Like the longest time, yeah. Like it's it took what the PS3 what three to four years to start making a profit. Mm-hmm. It took Nintendo a year, yeah, if even that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, here's an interesting thing to put into perspective for them: is the uh, the Super Nintendo actually sold less units than the regular Nintendo? Really. Uh, yeah, so uh, you go yeah. by VG charts. Take it with a game grain of salt. I don't the know su- if the numbers the are Super completely Nintendo accurate. Super less than the Nintendo. It sold 12 million say. less units. Yeah, but uh, it's because Genesis was dominating. They had two thirds of the market share, at least that back and, then, and then sold 20 million yet less units than the Super Nintendo. But here, here's the thing, though: the GameCube sold less units than the Sega. Uh, like the 64 only sold 32 million, the GameCube only sold 21 million, uh, the Super Nintendo sold 49 million. So for two for two straight uh, console eras, they they were selling crap systems, right? And they you were also not forget, selling. Dane. Yeah. Nintendo went out and got what was arguably the biggest franchise at that time exclusively on their system, and that was Resident Evil. With the that game. is true. And it didn't help them. Yeah, and it didn't help them. Are you talking about the GameCube? Yeah. Yeah. So, and it didn't help them, um, which is funny. And then it went on to the PS2 later. Um, So, Nintendo can survive. Nintendo's like a cockroach. It will survive a nuclear bomb. It, It will just take it and then be like, we're still here. What's going on? So, the Wii U can fail, and they'll still be around. Because they have the, the they have the 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 mobile market just completely dominated. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Nintendo DS is honestly less than three million units sold less than the PS2. Wow, really? Right. It's uh, PS2 is one fifty seven million. Uh, the Nintendo DS is one fifty four million. And there's no sign of slowing. And there's no well. This is the DS, not oh, the, the 3DS. DS. Okay. This is the DS. Well, even the 3DS, let's look at it here. The 3DS is at 44. Mm-hmm. So it's almost sold more than the Super Nintendo. It's almost sold more than the, the regular Nintendo. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting. 
So they'll be fine. They'll survive it. They'll fine. They got Pokemon. <laughs> That's all they need. As long Pokemon. as you have Pokemon, you'll be fine. Uh, you know what? At this point, they can release Pokemon Snap on the Wii U, and it's going to move units. Pokemon oh, yeah. Snap! Oh my goodness! When I had my three, my sixty-four, I loved that game. It is going to sell like five million units. Yeah, <laughs> I would buy it. That's cool. It has a camera. Like the DS has a camera that was exactly. that actually worked. You yep. move the little controller around, snap pictures mm-hmm. like a real camera. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, one more thing here, guys. Some new sales figures have been released, not officially, um, but Edge Magazine has, well, I don't know about accidentally, but in an interview with Phil Harrison, uh, one of the executives at Microsoft, uh, it mentioned that the PlayStation 4 has sold 9 million units. Um, uh, it was actually asking Phil Harrison how much uh, Xbox One's figure was. And Harrison replied, quote, north of 5 million. Um, again, take this with a grain of salt. It's not official um, at all. To tell the truth, we probably won't have an official number until PS4 crosses 10 million units, just because, quite frankly, making a big deal out of every single million units you sell is kind of silly. Um, so it makes sense to wait for a larger landmark to, to blow the trumpets Um but it is entirely possible that the PS4 has sold 2 million units since its last announcement in April when it officially announced 7 million units sold to Xbox One's 5 million units shipped. Um, also, there is a little valid, uh, validity in the fact that the Xbox One's figure, however vague it may be, comes directly from Phil Harrison himself. He's a corporate VP at Microsoft. Um, so... To tell the truth, at the track that PlayStation is on, I guess allegedly, um, we, if, if this number is to be believed, we could see this uh, 10 million announcement as early as Gamescom. What do you guys think? Well, just looking at VG charts, the numbers are in line. PS4 is 8.27 total, and Xbox One is 4.7 total. Mm-hmm. So that's going by them. The interesting thing is Japan has not even sold a million units. No. Uh, going by VG charts for the PS4. That's the more interesting statistic, how it's not selling super there, if the numbers are to be believed. But I mean, you know, greatness awaits. They have the marketing for it. They do the marketing so much more better and so much more interesting than the Xbox One, than Xbox's marketing. You know, it's true because there is that commercial um, I, with some actor. And the, the truth of the matter is, I wasn't impressed with it from the get-go because it basically just hyped... The, it, it didn't really have anything to do with games for the system. It, it, it is a brand new commercial, don't get me wrong here. Are you talking about the commercial with Aaron Paul? Is that his name? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Breaking Bad's uh, Jesse Pinkman. Yeah. He, was ta- he was playing Titanfall on his controller, and that's all it came to with the games. The entire time he was talking about, I guess, what he likes to do, and he was using the voice command thing. And... Um, I mean, that was uh, that kind of backfired because Aaron Paul on the commercial was saying Xbox on and Xbox record that and people's Xboxes were responding at their houses. Um, so I guess that's interesting. But, you know, none of that has much to do with the games, which is obviously what people buy an Xbox for. Um, 
it, it's definitely true that Microsoft has learned its lesson. It's more games focused, but their advertising still leaves a little to be desired in that area. Uh, whereas PlayStation has been a lot about the games, and, and we talked recently about the fact that Sony has been out, outspending Microsoft big time um, as far as TV advertising goes. So, you know, they better get it done right. But um, yeah. Well, I had I had this interesting conversation with a Japanese journalist when I was at TGS last year, and I asked him straight up. I'm like. Why does the Xbox, this is the 360 now, why does it sell so badly in Japan? And he on it, he told me it's because the marketing is crap there. Mm-hmm. The Xbox marketing in Japan is crap. So uh, Microsoft Japan just can't market the games at all there. They keep bringing in new people, switching people out. There's no continuity. There's no consistency. And so there's no good advertisements for it and I think you're seeing the same thing again now. They originally went to, they originally went to Japan talking about the cloud stuff and the the Japanese gamers just kind of laughed at them. Yeah. So spit, just go back to the, the they whole can smell bullshit. Yeah, I mean you go back to E3 last year uh with the announcement it's just the simple this is how you uh, trade games on uh, the PlayStation, yeah, yeah, right. And just that ten-second little Yoshida passes the game to the other dude, and then that right there, the salvos fired for marketing. Mm-hmm. Right, they know how to market. They know their audience to market it. Yeah. So. Whereas both Xbox and Nintendo, for that matter, have shown uh, gross misunderstandings of their audience, which is. Part of un- undoubtedly part of why PlayStation's finding such success and, and why it's so far in the lead right now, because it knows its audience. Um, oh, oh, I still I still worry that they they're a little too comfortable right now. Um, I, I really feel like that they're starting to get comfortable and they're starting to kick their feet back a little and they're starting to do careless things like talking about powers for ten minutes at E3. Uh, they had no reason to do that. In fact, Yoshida himself admitted later that it was probably a mistake to talk about powers uh, for so long at E3. Um, but that's that's the mistake that a company that's a little comfortable makes. Whereas a company that's scrambling, like Microsoft, um, delivers a, uh, even though it was kind of timid, delivers an E3 uh, lit lineup the way Microsoft did at E3 this year. Um, not that, not that, it was superior to the PS4. Frankly, I think that PlayStation's lineup was more interesting. There were more surprises, and it made for a better show. But it's just some of the stuff that Sony's doing and saying lately, I feel like they're starting to get comfortable, and that worries me. Um, because that's just one step closer to uh, Arrogant, which is where Xbox was this past year, and where Sony itself was back in 2006. And so I'm hoping that it all just doesn't go north and, and just mess with, with everyone's heads. Um, I guess that's my response to that. Um, no one seems to have anything to say. I'm just letting other people talk. <laughs> well, I, I totally agree with you on, on the letting it go to their head mm-hmm. thing. I think they're, well, you didn't say that. I said that. <laughs> oh, yeah, you, did, you said that on Unchained, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Okay. Uh, I, I, Sony's just one of those companies where when they're, when they're good, they start to screw up. 
Mm-hmm. Like they were good with the Vita, and then they screwed up with the memory card. Yeah. You know, it's 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 always something with Sony, and it, it's I just hope that it doesn't go back to what they went into with the PS3, where they were so overconfident that it cost them almost everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That I, I really hope yeah. that they don't make that sort of mistake again, but what I can't stress enough that what Sony needs to do is continue to understand its audience. It was that understanding of its audience that brought it to this level of success, and if it lets go of that now, you can bet it's going to find itself back at the bottom of the pack in the future. Yeah, I'll, I would even go as far as to say if, if they weren't so confident with the PS3, I don't think Microsoft would have gotten the huge momentum boost that it did. Yeah. With the 60. Not even close. They launched a year late at a ridiculously high price and with the arrogance to believe that people would just be willing to pay that price anyway because just because it was a PlayStation. Yeah. Now, if they, if they had the games, then it would have been different. But they didn't have the games at the time. Mm-hmm. That's so, exactly what Nint- Nintendo did with, with the 64, too. Although, frankly, they didn't have the games this time, either. Like, these consoles did not launch with gigantic libraries of games, but still millions of people bought them anyway. But the arrogance wasn't there. The That's the difference. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I look back to um, Screw Attack did a really good top 10 video for the PS3. It's like the top 10 PS3 games this year. And this is way back when it was first released. And number 10 and 9 was nothing. And number 8 was the uh, Superman Richard Donner special edition cut. So number 8 wasn't even a game. It was a freaking Blu-ray movie. <laughs> so, um, wow. And so the first 7 are just like games. But even then they weren't that good. So now if they had Final Fantasy 7, their Final Fantasy 7 on release, then, then the arrogance wouldn't have been that much of a problem but they didn't so that was the issue they didn't have they didn't have the swag back up the walk so did you just say swag i did say swag i'm not inviting you back to this podcast anymore i'll make a new podcast just because you said swag what's wrong with swag that is like on my list of phrases that just need to die Come on, don't be, don't be racist. That's not racist. <laughs> that is, I am a supporter of the English language. Swag, He's still pissed off that eventually people are going to say hashtag instead of pound sign when you try to make a payment on your phone. That takes me off. Oh, man. Hashtag it. Hashtag deal with it. Hashtag your face. Okay. <laughs> I'm not listening to you. Um... <laughs> I'm just kidding. Dan will be back on the podcast, um, but I might, but I might beep out the word swag. Um, <laughs> swag, swag that man. I'm gonna just beep swag off. I am going to beep everything that you say. Um, <laughs> well, beep to beep, beep, beep. What am I, the Roadrunner now? Yes, I'm gonna make you the Roadrunner. Okay, that's exactly the sound I'm gonna use. Sounds good. Um, <laughs> Guys, we're an hour and 40 minutes into this. Because um, I'm on the show. That's why. <laughs> our E3 one got to a couple hours. Um, well, that's E3. That's E3. Yeah, we usually try to keep it around an hour and a half. Um, and then I destroy it. <laughs> so, guys, are we ready for another 25 episodes all the way up to 50? 
Can Ernest handle it? I mean, Ernest, Ernest man, oh, man. man, you gotta you oh. gotta hold your own. He sounds like he's ready for about three, <laughs> and then he's done. But uh, it's okay. He's not even denying it. Like I'm saying, it's <laughs> okay. <laughs> Guys, that's episode 25. Thank you for being with us on this journey for 25 weeks. Here's to 25 more on the way to 50. Um, if you have anything to say, goodness, we've talked a lot this um, this episode. We've talked about a lot of really great stuff. And we want to hear your opinions, too. So just like our friends Fonz and Shifty, send us a tweet at the RDGH, at T-H-E-R-D-G-H, and we will read your tweets and discuss them on the air next week. Also follow us on iTunes. We are there, and you can get our amazing podcast downloaded to all of your iThings automatically. Um, we use Podbean, actually, and I'm aware now that we are actually on a variety of different channels. Uh, we're on Tversity. We're on some Android stuff, too. So, you know what? I'm not going to say if you leave us a review on iTunes, we'll read it next week anymore. If you leave us a review anywhere and just send us the link on Twitter, we'll give you a shout-out and read your review on the air next week. So if T... T I don't know about Tversity, but it's one of our it's one of our biggest. So um, if anyone is on Tversity, if Tversity accepts reviews, leave us a review on Tversity, drop us a link on Twitter, we'll read it on the air. Um, definitely check out Dane's book, uh, The Lasombra Files, L-A-S-O-M-B-R-A, Files. Uh, I don't know if he knows this, but I've been promoting his book in his absence. Um, I've been reading it. It's actually pretty good. I'm, I'm about halfway through. And really? Where were you at in it? I'm about halfway through. And well, just talk about it. Where in where halfway through? Oh, you gotta entice the people. We'll talk later. All I'll say is it's a really great mystery thriller. It's only a dollar on Kindle. You know, it's less than a chocolate bar. You have no reason at all not to buy this book, except for the fact that I guess gamers don't read or something like that. Which they like picture books. They like they like picture books. Exactly. <laughs> art books. We like to call them art books. <laughs> <laughs> comic books <laughs> comic books yeah there we go graphic novels <laughs> okay <laughs> pop-up books man we need more pop-up books l-a-s-o-m-b-r-a files check it out on amazon's kindle um only a dollar come on and it's also paperback as well for those who do not have a kindle it's out on paperback now is it it's been on paperback for the past uh like four months huh yeah, it's on paperback. So you can get it for $0.99 cents on Kindle, uh, or you can get it for eleven ninety nine in paperback form, all on Amazon. That's really cool. How much is it? Oh, again, how much was the paperback again? You just said I just it. said it is $11.99 American. Yeah. I do right. want to point out a fun fact is that uh, I think it was like last week, it was announced that U.S. book publishers – Getting more uh, more sales revenue through online online sales than physical stores. Mm-hmm. We are fast approaching the digital future. We're good. So there you go. Pick it up. Let me know what you think about it. Book two is being written, so there will be a sequel. So there oh, will really? be a trilogy. There's going to be a. Tr- it's a trilogy. Oh, it's okay. going to be a trilogy. So no spoilers. How cool. There will be a trilogy. Um. Let's see. Also, check out Fraser's channel, Smash Gaming Nine Nine Nine. Usually, at this point, he would say thank you very much. So you're welcome, Fraser. Um, 
for some really good Let's Plays, previews, reviews, first looks. It's well, not reviews, excuse me. I, I think he said he doesn't do reviews. Still a great channel, great content on there. Smash Gaming 999 on YouTube. Um, I checked it out. He puts a lot of effort into that. He really he does. does. Yeah, he does yeah, a great good job. stuff. Um, also, check out PlayStation Universe. We are from PlayStation Universe. Um, so we we get a lot of PlayStation stuff in here, but we try to keep it kind of even. We talk about the others as well. Um, but PlayStation Gamers, just uh, if you love some good news, PlayStation news, reviews, features, uh, sometimes videos, of course, our podcasts, our sister podcast, PlayStation Unchained, check out PlayStation Universe for the greatest news in PlayStation gaming. Um, also remember to check out OC Remix, Overclocked Remix. They have no idea, guys, that we're talking about them so much. Uh, but they're really cool. Uh, they have some great video game music remixes. So if you like video game music, and I know you do, check out OC Remix. In fact, stay tuned. At the end of the show, we will play you another full song from OC Remix. Um, this one's called The Passing of the Blue Crown. It's by Sixto Sounds. Uh, it's a remix of the title song for Mega Man 3. To hear and download this and many more great video game remixes, go to ocremix.org. That's ocremix.org. And with that, guys, we're done. 25 episodes in the books, ready for 25 more. Uh, Dane, how can people contact you? Uh, people can reach me either through my email for PSU, so that is dane.smith at psu.com, D-A-N-E. So I am the reviews editor for the site, so if you have any issues, you have any comments about the reviews we do on PSU, please feel free to email me. I'll answer all questions or comments. Just please be respectful. And you can reach me on Twitter at Files, L-A-S-O-M-B-R-A. And tweet me about anything. I've gotten into some really fun conversations with people, especially about my old God of War review I did a couple months ago. So I will chat with people about anything on there. Just tweet at me. Yeah, yeah. Um, if I can ask, why do you always spell your first name? Do, do people misunderstand? Uh, people think I say Dean instead of Dane. Oh. <laughs> Dean. Dean. So... Uh, yeah, so every all through my entire life, like literally, it's about one in ten will actually, or one in twenty. Before it was one in twenty, now it's one in ten. I say Dane, and they'll actually understand my name. They'll always think it's Dean. Dean. So I always make sure I spell it out, even when I'm on the phone with anyone. If I gotta say my name anywhere, I will always spell it out because it's a very unique name. My, my parents made sure I had a unique name. Because my last name's Smith. If I was John Smith, <laughs> how many John Smiths? How many Matthew Smiths? How many Michael Smiths are there? So it's, uh, they wanted to make sure I had a name that stood apart from others. They should have named you Black. Because then, then you could be Blacksmith. Blacksmith. Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I, I'm jealous of Chalky White <laughs> Boardwalk Empires. That's the most non-black name for a black guy. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> Chalky. Chalky White. Who names their parent uh, – who, who, what parent names their kid Chalky? What is that? Like Chalk, like C-H-A-L-K-Y? Yeah, like Chalk. <laughs> so, I don't get it. I don't know, but that's a hilariously good name. So, um, yeah, I know. They should, yeah, Blacksmith. That would be a pretty 
pretty good name. Well, I'm the blacksmith. <laughs> I am the blacksmith as the class blacksmith. What's your class? Blacksmith. blacksmith. What's your name? Blacksmith. Okay. So. Uh, we'll definitely check out um, at lesomberfiles.com. The name of his book, actually, The Lesomber Files. Um, all, all I'll say about the book is that there is something called the slut walk, apparently. Hell yeah! Uh, <laughs> so if you, if you need if you need a reason to read the book, check out the slut walk. Um, <laughs> what is the book? Someone? Huh? There's a slut walk in my book. When did I have that? It, you mentioned <laughs> it in like chapter. Someone called the Sombra, I think. A oh friend. yeah, 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 okay. yeah. That's chapter three. I remember it now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, that's chapter that's three. So okay. I t- I have the slut walk in there. Yes. So. So, um, definitely. Yeah, that's you. Def. No, I'm just gonna leave it at that. Um, <laughs> Ernest, how can people reach you, sir? Uh, at my email address, ernest.lin at psu.com. And Ernest spelled E-R-N-E-S-T. I get a lot of people that spell it like the adjective, which is weird. It's even, uh, even like PR people and reps from companies, they'll like reply and they'll be like, Ernest dash, and it'll be E-A-R-N-E-S-T. I'm like, no, <laughs> no. I mean, you can just look at my signature. Yeah, it says, it shows how to spell my name, yeah. but yeah. Um, or uh, Ernstie Lynn mm-hmm. on Twitter, E-R-N-S-T-Y-L-I-N. I, um, I, yeah, I, I guess I could always name a child Vio, so it could be violin. Like Sony Vio? Oh, violin, okay. Violin, like the instrument. I was like, yeah. like the computer? <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I tend to spell my name when I, when I um, say it here because there's another way to spell Glenn with one N instead of two. Mine is with two. Right. But for right. some reason, some people try to spell my name G-L-E-E-N. Uh, Glean? The, yes. I've never seen a name. No, that's the, the people who have no understanding of the English language uh, will yeah. spell my name G L E E N. Um, that's rough. But, I, I got you guys beat on that. I got you guys beat. What? Okay. I have you beat. So when I was younger, one time my grandfather went to Dairy Queen to get a, an, a Super Mario ice cream cake for my birthday. Wait a second. There's <laughs> a Super Mario ice cream cake at Dairy Queen? The, the, there was in 1993. That's the best. Oh, good the times. So they, he goes in and all he has on a piece of paper is just happy birthday, Dane. Gives it to the girl at the counter and she reads it and says, happy birthday, Danielle. What? What? And, and <laughs> was she he's blind? Like, and, and he's like, and my grandfather's like, no, 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 not Danielle, Dane. And she's like, well, that's not a real name. And I'm, and I'm thinking, cares if it's a real name? I mean, it's, yeah. not your, it's not your place to name my child. Yeah, and I'd be like, oh. who cares what I want to put on the cake? I'm paying you to put what I want on this cake. Deal with it. Hashtag deal with give it. Me, give That's me the frosting so bag. Yeah. <laughs> So there you go. I got you beat. Yeah, so that's why know. I always spell. Even when the name is spelt, people can't get it right. It's true. So. <laughs> All right. Drop the mic. Drop the mic. Adam Orth in the building. Um, Adam Orth. He was the guy right. that said deal with it on, for Microsoft. It is true. Um, and Microsoft fired him. <laughs> Gary, <laughs> how can people contact you, Gary? Uh, they can contact me on Twitter at Gagwalush. That's G A G. Wait, what? Well, hold on. G A G L A U S H. Sorry. Did you forget how to spell Gagwalush? Yeah. 
G A G L A U S H on Twitter. You have or seventy-one you followers, man. I I do. I had seventy. Yes. You have seventy-one. Woohoo! I have just under sixty-five hundred. What? How? You're you're you stupid author people always get all the followers. Um, yeah. <laughs> people are just waiting for him to kill himself, like most. No. <laughs> yeah, man, I got sixty-four hundred eighty-five. Dane deserves it right man. now. That's funny. Um, Gary, did I cut you off? Were you going to say something else? No, uh, no, that, that's pretty much it. Okay, at Gagloush on Twitter, uh, Ernest Ernsty Lynn on Twitter, Lasombra Files for Dane. As for me, you can reach me at GoGlen underscore on Twitter, at G-O-G-L-E-N-N underscore on Twitter, or you can email me at glenn.gordon at P-S-U dot com. And with that, we are finished with episode 25. Uh, tune in next week. We're going to have a, um, a guest from PlayStation Unchained, you PlayStation fans. Uh, he's not from Unchained, actually. He was with PSU before Unchained was Unchained. Um, it was derailed back then. and It was sort of like RDGH in that it was kind of about, like, whatever. I, I, I'm told that they spent an hour talking about Boneless Chicken. So um, I, <laughs> I don't think we'll do that for RDGH. But uh, either way, Don Oliveira will be here next week. Um, so tune in for that. Those of you who haven't heard him before, I've heard he's a great guy. Uh, I haven't personally met him yet. So tune in for episode 26 next week. Uh, until then, we wish you a great week, great gaming, and as always, don't be a racist.